Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. And today we have on Stefan Baumgartner, the author of TypeScript Book. How are you doing, Stefan? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And you're coming to us all the way from Austria because we wanted to talk to you about this crazy thing called TypeScript. So if you were out at a doctor's office and you're having a vasectomy done and you're, you're sitting there up on the table and the nurse has got a big needle that's heading right for your private area <laughs> and she's trying to ease the tension. You're doing this because you got enough kids. You're done. Okay. She's trying to ease the tension and she says, hey, Stefan, what is this TypeScript thing anyway? Like, what would you tell her? <laughs> <laughs> How would I tell a nurse uh, uh, that's putting a needle in, in, in my whatnot on what TypeScript is? Well, she's curious and she's trying to distract you and they, they bought in some students to, to observe and everything. So there, there's no pressure. She's trying to ease it, ease you into it. So she says, hey, Stefan, what is this Can type- I go back and have the vasectomy? I guess that's much, much easier than explaining a nurse what TypeScript is. So <laughs> I don't know where to start. I'm, I'm so sorry. So, so um, well, you, you better do it quick because the needle's coming down. So what is what is TypeScript? Come on, help her out. Okay. So if I want to sum up TypeScript in, in one phrase, then it's a very special kind of tooling for JavaScript. Of course, the nurse, they wouldn't know what, what JavaScript is, or I assume they wouldn't know what JavaScript is. You don't is. know. Maybe I don't know, actually. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. So you, you never know. Maybe she's learning it on the side. So go ahead. So I'd say it's it's mostly tooling for JavaScript. And I guess this is this is a good starting point to explore the topic a little bit more. Well, why, why do we need tooling for JavaScript? Is this like, uh, you know, we, we vaguely have heard of these things like CoffeeScript was a thing mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Is this mm-hmm. another flash in the pan fad like CoffeeScript? <laughs> um, that's that's interesting that you said it because I guess CoffeeScript was, was very big at the time where the TypeScript team decided to to create TypeScript. And they, they, made, a, they made a little document of, of goals and ways to pursue that goal. And one of the, the big goals was, or one of their, their constraints or rules or whatever, you want to call it, uh, was to stick as closely as possible to, to JavaScript and to the ECMAScript standard. So this was mm. from, from the very beginning when they designed this language was we don't want to be CoffeeScript, which is, you know, entirely different language compiles to JavaScript or stuff like that you, uh, that you have right now with, with ReasonML or now it's called Rescript, which, which tries to get OCaml style syntax and compiles down to JavaScript. So this is nothing. Yeah, there are ri- the ridiculous number of yeah. languages that yeah. compile down to JavaScript. Exactly. So this is where we play Stump the Patrick. So Patrick, why do you know why so many languages compile down to JavaScript? Because it works everywhere. Yeah, I mean you're right. Basically, yeah. the, for the <laughs> longest time, works in the it browser, was the, works in the server. Yeah, yeah. For the longest time, it was the only language that ran on the biggest platform on the planet, which is the web browser. Yep. Right. I mean, now we've got Wasm, we got WebAssembly, which I know is your kind of one of your favorite topics. Oh, I love it. It's just Bitcoin <laughs> running I, I know. wild. Yeah. I know. Okay, okay. Now we but, now we have all the words for a BS bingo somewhere, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> We got we got buzzwords. Whoever is listening to this and is playing a drinking game, like they're they're out cold. You know, it's all done. But no, seriously, like why is this? A lot of people look at the JavaScript world mm-hmm. and they're a little skeptical because there's so many fads that come and go. Like, mm-hmm. why is TypeScript not a fad and not this? Coffee script thing, like like if someone came to me with a project done in Coffee Script, I'd be like, no, <laughs> you so, know, yeah. So you can get the feeling that it's something similar because when when they started out doing that in two thousand, so they started in two thousand eleven and they released the first version in two thousand twelve. Um, they pretty much advertised it like that, you know. They added a lots of syntax and structures on top of JavaScript that screamed C sharp and Java, and and this was also one of the things mm. that put me away of TypeScript for a very long time because I I, ne- I never could get why people were so against learning the actual language mm. and would rather have a language that looks like Java or looks like C Sharp or looks like whatnot. Uh, CoffeeScript was, you know, Ruby that com- mm-hmm. compiles to JavaScript instead of learning the actual language because I always think a, a language has been designed for the purpose or for the platform it should run on. You, you wouldn't have things like Rust or C++ designed that way if it wasn't for systems programming. So JavaScript has been designed for programming a virtual machine that runs in the browser. And that's why I stayed a Way TypeScript for a long, long time, but it doesn't do them them justice. So this this was, I guess, very badly advertised because what they did 
actually was looking at all the open proposals that were in the ECMAScript standard, all the declined proposals that were in the ECMAScript standard. So you can ten, can take the ECMAScript 4 proposal, you know, that the ill-fated one where they wanted just too much, which never got done and they discarded it. And if you look at those proposals and the proposals that were there at the time that should help develop the ECMAScript standard further, you can see that every feature that TypeScript put in in the very early days, in the very early beginning, has some connections to those standards. So they went on a big scavenging hunt and picked out whatever they saw fit uh, or what, whatever they thought could have some long-lasting appeals or some uh, holds up in the future and included them in this type system atop of JavaScript. So this was the very original idea. And in the beginning, they added a lot of, of syntax features, a lot of language features, and also a type type layer and a type system. But as time progressed, they decided to stop on language innovation because that was done in, in the ECMAScript in the TC39 committee and decided to go only to do innovation in the type system. And with that, you can see TypeScript from this angle. You have JavaScript with all the nice features that you have right now. You know, it's constantly evolving. We get a new edition every year and it's, it's a really nice language by now. So it's, it's really well designed. There are lots of very comfortable features that makes you code fast and quick and robust and without too many possibilities for, for errors. So Stefan, um, the, yeah. the nurse is looking at you. Her eyes are starting to kind of glaze over and she's just like, so you're saying it's JavaScript with types? I mean, is that, is that, <laughs> is that what it is? So yeah, that's that's basically it. So uh, you can see it from the angle. So it's, it's, of course, it's a little bit more, but what it is first and foremost is a type system around JavaScript. So I always try to phrase it like that. TypeScript tries to make out the most sense of your JavaScript code. It tries to understand your JavaScript be code better than you do. Mm. And where it can't figure it out on its own, you can help TypeScript right. to understand your code. Um, well, so let me take a step back here, because I think there are a lot of people listening that are, they're web developers, and maybe they use a little bit of JavaScript here. And we've got, we also have some people that use frameworks. So there's a, a variety of experience levels things. And just parenthetically, Stefan, have you ever seen the movie Ghostbusters? <laughs> of course, I love the movie Ghostbusters. Yeah. So whenever someone talks about ECMAScript, all I can think about is ectoplasm. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. It's like I got this weird connection in my brain with that thing. But so the, here's the way that I've described it to people that have never used TypeScript before. And tell me if you think this is a reasonable analogy, even if it isn't exactly correct. So I liken JavaScript to writing in a word processor that has no automatic spell checking or no mm -hmm. automatic grammar checking, right? So you just you type away, mm -hmm. it doesn't correct anything for you, and you don't want to look like a fool. You'll have to go through and really proofread it carefully before you give it to your friend to read. And then I say TypeScript is sort of like a word processor, but it has a built-in dictionary that will automatically correct your spelling and will automatically underline grammatical errors. Is that a reasonable way to explain it? That's a very good metaphor, actually. So this is, I, I guess this is also one that I use in the very first lesson of, of my book. Oh my it, God, I like, didn't read yeah. your book. I swear to God, I did not rip you off. <laughs> you should, I didn't you, know that that no, was in you there. Should, you should read my book. It's, it's a nice book, actually. But yeah, so this is a very good analogy. So of course it's nuanced, but but you get it in that way. And the nice thing is, you know, this is why, why I lean so much on the tooling aspect of TypeScript. Who of you uses Visual Studio Code? I have used it, but for my main editor, I actually use P PHP Storm. Okay, although, sure, sure. yeah, um, although I do, I am aware that Visual Studio Code has it has TypeScript built into it. You know, um, so with PHP Storm, it's it's actually it's actually similar, um, or WebStorm, or one of those IntelliJ IDs. If you write JavaScript in PHP Storm, WebStorm. Visual Studio Code, and to some extent also also in Sublime Text or stuff like that. Or some editors require a little bit more love, but WebStorm, PHPStorm, and Visual Studio Code have that out of the box. If you write JavaScript code there and you love the editor feedback that you get, you know that you have autocomplete on some some properties from your objects, and you know that if you you have a default value that's a number that you can't pass a string to that function and stuff like that, then you're actually already using TypeScript. This is this is one of the biggest innovations and features from TypeScript actually that they were one of the first languages to provide a so-called language server, which is nothing but a tool that takes text from an editor, analyzes it, and gives feedback on errors and possible possible auto-completion and those things back to the editor. Yeah, um, it's like constantly analyzing your code exactly. as you type, right? Exactly. I mean, it's pretty wild. And yeah. TypeScript was, was one of the first languages to provide a feature like that. And now if you have things like coding a lot of Rust in Visual Studio Code, same thing. Mm -hmm. You have the Rust language server underneath, runs on the same protocol, does the same thing that TypeScript did about six to eight years ago. In fact, TypeScript was developed. So now there's the TypeScript team who develops TypeScript, but the very first 
those developers on TypeScript were from the Visual Studio Code team. So those projects started at the very same time. They were closely interconnected. So there, um, there wasn't an editor without TypeScript and there wasn't, and TypeScript would not exist without this editor. And they, in parallel, developed Visual Studio Code and TypeScript. Um, well, here, here's my theory about how this happened, Stefan. And this is wild, rampant speculation. But so my, my background is in strongly typed languages like C and, and that kind of thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I know the mentality of people that do this stuff. So I think what happened is some manager in Microsoft was just like, you know what? This JavaScript thing is going to be important. We're going to have to do something with it. And all of the, the C, C++, C Sharp programmers were just like, no, no way. <laughs> we're not doing it. This is not happening. There's no types. There's no, this is ridiculous. We, we can't do it. If you expect us to use this thing, we're going to build our own language that has types. Otherwise, just forget it. Like, we're just going to leave. What do you think? Could, is uh, that, could that be what happened? are not that far from the truth. So what, what actually happened <laughs> What actually happened is um, there, there was a language that was strongly typed and compiled to JavaScript and was written by Microsoft and was called ScriptSharp and was used internally because of exactly this reason. So it was not that <laughs> right. JavaScript was taking off. It was that Ajax applications were taking off, you know, that you had suddenly a real application inside the browser that doesn't require Silverlight or Flash or something like that, but could run on regular JavaScript. And the popularity of those applications rose through the advent of the iPhone, who just said, okay, fuck your browser plugins, because they take too much energy, they're way too unsecure, and I can't run them on, on iOS Safari. So that's why people thought, okay, now we have to write JavaScript, because it's the only thing that runs on iOS Safari. Yeah. Uh, but we don't want to write JavaScript, because to be fair, back back in the day, 2010, 2011, JavaScript, um, yeah, you know, got, got out of puberty. So it, it Yeah, it was became, a scripting language. Yeah, it wasn't it, designed to do any of it. It's being asked to do stuff it was never designed exactly. to do. Exactly. And it, it reminds me of, the, so the uh, Gary Bernhardt did a hilarious talk called The Birth yeah. and Death of JavaScript yeah. many years ago, <laughs> where he shows all of these different things and what happens if you try to add a number to an object or in all these crazies and just JavaScript does the most nonsensical, idiotic things like with these operations. And I can just imagine the developers, the like C Sharp and C++ developers at Microsoft looking at this and being like, you got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. Oh my God. But let's get back to, so what I think is important is we can spend a lot of time and we'll spend a little bit of time later talking about what TypeScript is, but what are advantages? Why would someone want to use TypeScript instead of JavaScript? You know, because I really think that we need to sell people on the advantages of using this thing to get them mm-hmm. interested in it. So why, why so, would someone benefit from this or how? So, so one thing, one way that I like to write TypeScript that I use more often nowadays than I did in the past was I just write regular JavaScript. And through a little thing called type inference, TypeScript already can analyze my JavaScript code without me, you know, com- needing to compile something, mm-hmm. without me needing to, to do anything, basically, other than writing regular JavaScript code. If I assign a certain object to a, to a constant or to a variable, TypeScript knows pretty much how this object is structured and what properties it has and what types the values have, those properties. So out of the box. The next thing that I need is then having my objects and my values and whatnot and pass them around in functions. So this is, this is how I, I code. I do little functional programming. I do very little object-oriented programming. I mostly have objects and functions and pass data around. This is very pragmatic and very simple. And to let my functions know which values or which types I expect in my in my function arguments, I just make a little bit of JS doc annotations. So just mm. just enough to know, okay, here I expect a number, here I expect maybe a complex type, you know, an, an object type or something that I can uh, declare within a JavaScript. And this is enough for TypeScript to, to give me enough tooling so I know that I don't screw up like accessing a wrong property or not passing the right data to a function. Yeah, I think um, here's the key. The key for me is that when I'm using something like TypeScript, it shows me the errors before I ever have to run the code. So if you're writing JavaScript, you'll write your JavaScript and maybe you have an editor that will at least pick up syntax errors for you, but you don't really know if it works Mm -hmm. or or certain basic things aren't broken until you actually run it in the browser. Whereas if you're using TypeScript, because of the way it understands your code, as you mentioned, there's a language server that's running and analyzing your code. Because of that, a lot of errors will be caught in your editor before you even load it in a browser or wherever you're going to run this thing. I mean, is that, to me, that's yeah, a huge advantage. The thing is, it makes you a lot more productive. You can you can yeah. lay off a lot of, of mental overhead if you just let a tool try to figure out what you what you want to do. So this was actually, so I hate Java for all the things it does wrong yeah. and for all the overhead that it caused and for all the, I don't know, ceremony it requires. But back in the day, 20 years ago, I, I've written a lot of Java and one of the nicest things that I had when writing Java was <laughs> control space in 
in my editor to not having to type anything at all. Two characters, control space, autocomplete. Two characters, control space, autocomplete. You know, mm -hmm. um, this was, uh, I was super productive through this. And TypeScript is, is kind of similar. So you have, you just can defer a lot of mental overhead. Um, and this and is why I think it's so important. There, a lot of people look at TypeScript and they think of it as part of this category of new, crazy JavaScript hotness. But I, I actually think that even people that are relatively inexperienced with JavaScript will benefit immensely because it does, it's, it's like having an editor not a code editor, but like a, you know, a magazine editor yep, yep. that's sitting there while you're writing and is kind of assisting you in doing Second it. So I, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't think it's just for, I don't think it's for people who are super advanced. I think actually everyone, especially people that are unfamiliar with stuff will really benefit from it because it, you get all the autocomplete. It, it's checking your syntax for you. What do, what do you think, Patrick? What do you, what is your exposure to TypeScript and what thoughts do you have on it? Yeah, I, I've played around with it a little bit on projects that we've done together, Andrew, and I, I want to like it. I no, really. I enjoy strong typing. I, I love good auto completion. When I'm in PHP, I'm constantly putting in hinting for my IDE to get better completion. Mm. So in that regard, I want to use it and like it. I think, given that so many times it can also depend on what other tooling you're using or what other frameworks you're using, if they support TypeScript, that can be a little bit of a barrier. And then saying, oh gosh, how am I going to get this to work together nicely? I also find the syntax to just be just ugly enough that something puts me off about it. Just all those little angle brackets all over the place or i don't know i i okay I so the, the moment you get into generics yeah yeah uh, so yeah, the, the yeah. thing is I, I know i know where you're coming from the thing is you it, it totally depends on how much you are you're willing to use from from typescript and this is also one of the nice things it's it's very gradual so you can just use as much typescript as you want to, mm -hmm. to use so and i, I think 90 percent of the people that are using it they're going to declare their types instead of doing let number equals one they might do let number colon number equal one or whatever or maybe they'll let it infer it or whatever and they'll benefit immediately from that and they'll make some interfaces maybe for their objects and that's it. Like, I don't think the majority of people are getting into generics and, and that type of stuff. Mm. Just your daily front-end developer kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think the, the more complex features of TypeScript are especially for library authors or for yeah. scenarios where you want to provide some functionality to that should be used in multiple scenarios, not just I use React and just write my little front-end code and maybe a couple mm. of functions for event handlers. Then the TypeScript you write on your own is actually very, very little, just couple mm -hmm. of couple of props that you that you define some um, well, let's talk about that because you even if you write very little typescript if you're using libraries that are written in typescript you benefit from that right how do you benefit from just the fact that you have this tooling there and you're using a third-party package that was written using typescript mm -hmm. this harks back to what i said earlier typescript tries to figure out as much uh, about your code as possible it tries to understand your code better than you do and if you use a library then it kind of you know has the better has the better hand it already knows a lot about the library that you don't actually know. You would have to go back to the docs and see how a certain function works or how a certain constructor works. Or so yeah, who wants to do that? Yeah, so so that's, you know, you would have to have a very big screen so that you can have the documentation and your code next side by side uh, so you never get lost or you have to switch back and forth constantly and then you're on the wrong tab and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or TypeScript has the documentation implicitly there by knowing which function you call. It can give you the GS doc documentation that is at this exact function and can give you some type hints on what to pass and what it expects. So this is this is actually the great stuff. So right now, Vue has switched completely to TypeScript. So Vue is now written entirely in TypeScript. Yeah. And if you use Vue 3, you get tons of type information from template Beautiful. It's glorious, Stefan. It is glorious. I've yeah. been doing some stuff in Vue 3 and I know Patrick has too. The autocomplete that you get there when you use TypeScript is freaking glorious. Great. It cool. really is. Cool. That's, that's, I guess that's that's what the few people want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and and those are the big benefits. I write a lot of Preact actually, so so I I'm, I'm not writing as much React anymore as I do Preact. And Preact is also entirely written in TypeScript, but in the way that I told you, like JS doc comments, and then the TypeScript compiler just generates types on the fly, and there's an extra type definition file on the site that I can consume, and it's it's been wonderful. So I'm, I'm, I never have to look to any at any documentation at all because I know the basic concepts, and everything else is done by by TypeScript. And I'm just writing regular JavaScript, so this is important. I rarely use the compiler. I mostly just use the type checker. Yeah. And here's something that I think is pretty amazing that 
a lot of people may not be aware of if they haven't used TypeScript yet. You can get all these wonderful benefits of all of these types in the libraries that you're using, even if they're not written in TypeScript because of something wonderful <laughs> called definitely, definitely typed. typed. Oh yeah. yeah. Which is basically, a, it's a whole host of packages that it defines types for all of these really popular JavaScript libraries that are out there. And the wonderful thing is all you have to do is include these in your project. And as long as the TypeScript co compiler knows where to look for these things, you'll automatically automatically get those types whenever you're using those libraries, right? It's, it's like magic. It's an, it's an NPM install. And if your editor is set up correctly, the NPM install happens on your behalf. So you don't have to do anything there as well. Yeah. And, oh, and, last and, you don't, checked, and last time I checked, last time I checked, I have to look it up in my in my book. I'm, I'm super sorry that I stole you here. Uh, but last, <laughs> okay. oh, damn it, where is it? Oh no, I guess they dropped it. Never mind. I had, I checked, I checked how much packages were there and, and it was an astonishing number. So yeah. So the, the amazing thing about this is these type definitions, you don't have to import them. So you don't have to in your JavaScript say import at types NPM or import at types webpack or, you know, whatever the types are that you're looking for, whatever they happen to be, you don't have to import them. The editor just discovers them and instantly you're getting this. And, and so this is amazing because the packages that you depend on almost certainly have definitely typed type definitions available for them. All you have to do is add them to your package.json. And as you mentioned, some editors will just suck them down for you and you're getting autocomplete and, and properly typed autocomplete for all this wonderful stuff, right? I mean, I think this is a huge selling point for this thing. Yes. And this is also, you know, one of those things that where the team always says, people tend to drop TypeScript for whatever reason, unknowingly that they are using it all the time because mm. they have Visual Studio Code running, they write JavaScript there and getting types, you know, for low dash jQuery, whatever, and getting all to complete and getting all this extra information yep. <laughs> is TypeScript's work. So it's a little bit of an unsung hero at times. So Yeah. And you get this great benefit from it. So Patrick, I mean, I would think that that would be something that would make you super bullish on uh, TypeScript. Yeah. I had not heard of that. So I'm glad I came today, however late I was. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll try that. I mean, I still, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to change the TS files and make sure there's like a TS file loader or something or other in, in the Webpack config right. that I have. Oh, that's no, not no, that please, please, please not Webpack. I don't use Webpack. Oh, oh. you're a good man. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have a friend who has really taken to Webpack and has found a way to make it very confusing, which... Stefan, I, I am... I am knee deep in <laughs> redoing a, a Webpack five config. Really? I'm oh, oh I'm I'm deep. I'm deep in the thick of things. I'm deep in it. But tell Patrick that he doesn't have to do this. Actually, the tooling for getting this up and running is pretty simple, right? So yeah, if you want to to get started with TypeScript, the only thing that you have to do, if you let's let's stick with the scenario, you're writing JavaScript and you want to have a little bit of type information. You open your JavaScript file and you add a comment on top of your JavaScript file that's slash slash at ts check. Mm -hmm. uh, and with that, you tell your editor that, hey, this file I'm going to give to the greater good of TypeScript and try to get out as much as possible for you. Well, even if it's a JS file, I can yes. add that comment in and yes. kind of trigger TypeScript yes. validations and niceties in my IDE. That's yes. right. Huh. Um, if you need some extra types, you know, it, it can be a little clunky of just inferring and doing JS doc kind of types. If you mm -hmm. need some extra types, you can have a TypeScript file on the side that is a d.ts file, like definition TypeScript file. Mm -hmm. So it's yep. it's one that isn't compiled, where it just can write, you know, type information that you can use in the other file. So you can either do some, some type declarations where you say, okay, this is my type for an article. It has a name, it has a description, it has a price. It's, it's a syntax very similar to an object declaration or object literal syntax. And you can either import those types via a comment in your JavaScript file, and then this file knows about this type and you can annotate again and stuff like that. Or if you declare some functions types, it almost works like header file from back of the of the glorious C and C++ right. days, where on one side you just define how the header should look like, and on the other side you do the implementation. So it's, it's very much much like that. And um, it did remind me of that. It reminded yeah. me when I was doing these .d.ts files, it very much reminded me of .h files for C. I was like, ooh, yeah. this feels real comfortable, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you if you just have a regular VS Code setup, VS Code knows a lot what to do with the files that you have right there. If you want to, you know, structure your project in, in some sort of way or you want to run TypeScript as in the TypeScript type checker on a continuous integration step or on the command line or wherever, you can still have a JS config.json or tsconfig.json file mm -hmm. in your project root where you can define folders, which types to look up, which ones not to look up, which files to check, which 
files not to check. And that's a very, very good start. That's um, what I do. I've got a tsconfig.json and I tell it where the types are in node modules and I tell it where stuff is in my project. And then I don't import anything. I don't have to declare anything. I do absolutely nothing. And I've got TypeScript everywhere. I've got autocomplete everywhere. This, this I can write as many .d.ts files as I want. I don't have to care about it. Like everything just works. This is actually my most favorite setup because it requires so little tooling and you get so much benefit out of that. Oh, yeah. And I guess you you are, I don't know, let's say 70 to 80% of the benefits that you get out of that before you go into a type check. But then you can extend it, you know, and this is, this is also where I think we are in a very nice place. Ever since I started compiling with TypeScript, I never had to use Babel or Webpack ever again. <laughs> So TypeScript is also a transpiler. So you can write modern day JavaScript and compile it down to whatever platform you want to support. So be it... Right, you can tell it what targets you want. Exactly. Right? So it will, be it, be it, it Node.js, the... be it the browser, be it an old browser, you can do all that. Yeah. You can also compile JSX. So if you're writing React, you can compile JSX down to the respective JSX factory. So it's mm-hmm. also a JSX compiler. So you get a lot of features already. They include with every JavaScript feature that reaches stage three in the ECMAScript proposals, they include it in TypeScript. So you're also at a very stable set of, of features. So these kind of features that Babel then recommends to include at some point in time with some sort of plugin. So you get everything that you that you want from, from Babel and you get the type checking stuff. The only thing that's missing then is bundling. Mm. So so if you want to, to bundle your JavaScript files, you would have to need an extra tool. There is some way to bundle, but they don't encourage that anymore because it harks back from the old days where there wasn't a proper bundler and they decided not to include another bundler there. But yep, this is actually despite, the only other tool that you would need. Stefan, despite the fact that I'm drinking a European beer right now, I think you're going to lose some respect for me. So I'm, I'm going to tell you that the way that I do the TypeScript compilation is, or transpilation, whatever you want to call it, is I actually use Babel to do it. So I use cool. Babel um, and that does all the transpile because it's part of my Webpack front-end building kind of... That's cool. Um, that's, that's also one great thing of, of, of TypeScript. So, so I go the other way where I say, okay, I don't need any other tool except a, a separate bundle and I can decide if it's roll-up Webpack or ES build or whatever. And mm-hmm. I compile everything with TypeScript. But using TypeScript as a plugin for Babel is great and it works. And this actually, I guess, helped the adoption of TypeScript a lot. The TypeScript team was in talks at one point even if they should continue including a transpiler. If they just should focus on providing a type system plugin for Babel or for whatever other transpiler that there is out there. I'm glad that they're stuck with transpiling as well because it's a very fast and a very good yeah. uh, transpiler. But having the possibility to include TypeScript in your Babel projects with, without any hassle is tremendous. So and, I, so and I think they did it really nicely, right? They made it so that they said, hey, we're not going to be super opinionated about how you want to integrate this thing. We're going to give you lots of different ways that you could bring this into your existing tooling setup, which I think is fantastic. This is also what Anders Heilsberg, one of the creators of TypeScript, said that they are the Switzerland of the JavaScript ecosystem. <laughs> like they are very neutral. They don't interfere with anything. They try to cater everybody as best as possible. So I thought you were going to say that they gave everyone chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, Swiss and chocolate. You know? I guess the Belgians might be mad about that, right? Because the Belgians, are, they, they like their chocolate too, right? Yeah, they have wonderful chocolate. So I, I, I want to ask you a question. I've been using TypeScript for a while. I think it's amazing. I think it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm actually surprised at, there are lots of people that I think would benefit from using this thing that go way above and beyond people that are doing quote unquote serious JavaScript coding. Like I really, I really firmly believe that just adding this little bit of tooling and if you're already using VS Code, it's already there, man. Mm-hmm. Like just unlock it and use it. I think it would make such a difference to people who are even just lightly using JavaScript. And especially if you're using any of these frameworks, absolutely start using it and then just pull in the types from definitely typed or have VS Code pull them in for you. I think it's going to make a monstrous difference to a lot of people. And I, you know, if I was writing any kind of a frameworky thing, I would definitely do use TypeScript to build it for all of the reasons you, you mentioned. But I also think that just very casual JavaScript users would benefit greatly from it. I really, I really, really do. But let me ask you something, Devin. So something that happened recently mm-hmm. is TypeScript 4 was released. I've yes. been using TypeScript 3. Tell me what's new in TypeScript 4 and what breaks and like what, what do we got going on in this release? Okay, okay. The way you have to look at TypeScript version numbers is once they reach x.9, they increment to the next higher number. So no. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. no. I'm very sorry. So it's, no. it's no, 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 no. That's not Semver. No, no, it's no. not Semver at all. And please, if you have, if you, if you want to 
have a good time, invite the TypeScript team and ask, what do you think about Simba? Oh my and God. and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the podcast lasts longer than an hour. <laughs> so I will, um, I will put them in a cage and <laughs> shut the door and we will hash it out. Okay. Let me, oh so God. the thing is, if I sum it up correctly, and you know, there's some nuance to it, but this is a whole other discussion. Okay. Is that the whole purpose of TypeScript is to break your code. You know, it's, 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 mm, right. it's trying to figure out as much possible errors or, or class of errors that it can have or that it can figure out to give you proper feedback to find errors before you do. So every next update of TypeScript somehow breaks your code. Maybe maybe not not much or you don't see it, but there are some features or some stuff that you can turn on and it breaks your code. That's why the screw Semver. The only thing that that you can somehow make Semver work with the system is if you if drop the first dot in the version number. So we are now not at version 4.1, we are at version 41. That would make sense. Yeah, um, and see, that's the thing. Okay, fine, I get it. Not everyone's on board the Semver train, like I understand, but the problem is that the ecosystem, using NPM or whatever it is that you're using, uses that when it's installing mm-hmm. packages. So lots of people have up caret 3.0 in their package.json. Mm-hmm. They're going to see up to 3.99999, but even though the TypeScript team says, well, this is not a big deal, it's just the next number, they're never going to see it. You know what I mean? And Unless they go in there and manually change it, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I see that this is a that this is a problem, and I can get behind that. Patrick, back me up here. Wait, I, come on. The yeah, thing is, it, I, I've it, never seen that in the real world. So, you know, I, I had to manage a pretty big Angular project, and I don't quite like Angular that much, but one thing that it did well was occluding the TypeScript version it ran for me. So so I never had to update TypeScript, Angular did for me. Cool for me. So I, I, I for, for Angular, I just move along with what, what Angular provides with me. And for my other projects, yeah, I, I actually am mostly a TypeScript latest and opt in intentionally to new features if I see that fit. So one thing that they get really right is being backwards compatible. There are a few breaking changes with each release where they, they say, okay, this breaks your code no matter how you've written it. Most of that is either behind the flag or something where they carefully try to extend the existing language without breaking too much. I looked it up, Stefan. So if in your package.json for the semver, if you put just an asterisk in there, mm-hmm. you'll get every version. <laughs> So, every version? Okay. Not just you'll the get latest. every You'll get every version that is not an RC or a beta okay, or okay. whatever. You'll get yeah, every Yeah, just write latest version. in there. Maybe that does the same. So, or late, yeah, latest probably does the same thing. So but I it have, sounds like that's the thing to yeah. do for TypeScript is just screw YOLO and put latest or <laughs> asterisk in there. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, no, I mean, this is incredibly disappointing. Um, <laughs> the only other system I know that does this is WordPress. They're like, oh, we've hit 4.9, so now it's time for 5.0. And you're like, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they just happen to put big things into the 5.0, but it's only because like every 10 releases, they mm-hmm. make it seem. Implicit. Now I do get, I do get, mm. and I agree with some of what Stefan was saying, which is that in theory, some of these patch releases and some of these feature releases aren't supposed to have breaking changes, but they almost always do. Yeah. We, we've seen this in any number of NPM packages, composer packages, you know, whatever, Rust crates, you know, people are not necessarily adhering to this thing, or they may not be aware of mm-hmm. the way that it could potentially break stuff. So it is somewhat of a lie, but also I think, I think that the number Intentional versus unintentional um, breaking right. changes. I, I yeah. also think we have to differentiate between a library where you rely on APIs to run your code mm-hmm. um, and the tool that tries to analyze your code mm, where you yeah. can opt into features. So there's there's a nuance there. I get that it's uh, a same way would be nice and, and lots of people are requesting it. But but on the other hand, you know, if they if they just say, okay, we, we just with every 10 releases, we have a bigger major number, people might at least get updates for those 10 minor releases, which they otherwise wouldn't because, you know, every, uh, according to same way, we would be at version 41, which <laughs> which is ridiculously high. So, so right, <laughs> right, and also not very useful because it's, unless someone did what we're talking about and put latest in there, they're not going to see all these versions. So I, I get it. You know, I, I'm probably just going to YOLO it and put latest or an asterisk in there and just be done it, with it because it, it can really, work. You know, I'm yeah. I'm using Next.js a lot yeah. for my project, and I just you know have latest in there um, mm-hmm. ever since version five, and now we're at guess version nine. I don't know anyone nine point three or something. 
I'm probably not going to go that far. I'm okay with doing it for TypeScript because what's the worst that's going to happen? You know what I mean? Maybe the type checking is broken and, you know, it's annoying and I can go back and manually fix it or something. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I get it. Like Semver isn't perfect, but like what Patrick was saying, it's intentional versus unintentional. And it's sort of, I don't know, I view it sort of like as a contract. I'm going to try not to break anything major in this minor point release. Anyway, let's not not get hung up on this because this (laughs) is not a um, good reason. They still have have batch releases which are pretty much bug fixes. So so they at least take care of the, the third digit in, in the version number to be according to Samware. But well, it's not... Again, let's not get too hung up mm. on this. But Because I don't think any of this negates the glory that is TypeScript. <laughs> because I'm, I'm being serious. I was a person that I have be, begrudgingly used JavaScript for some time. And I had looked at TypeScript and I'd be like, oh, you know, that's kind of neat, but that's, you know, some silly new hotness or whatever. I am so glad that I decided to dive in and start doing something with it because it's just so nice. And it is a very small change, I think, from going from JavaScript to TypeScript. It, I mean, it really is. And you can do it gradually. And as you mentioned, you've got this tsconfig.json. You can set it to be really loose and kind of let you do whatever you want. And then as you're learning, you can crank it down and it will just give you more and more feedback on your code. And I, for anyone who's listening that has heard of TypeScript and they're just like, I never done anything with it try it right i mean I, just try it. what do you what do you think stefan I've, I've actually written about this experience because i've been avoiding so typescript exists for um, yeah a little bit more than eight years okay um, wow, and that i've, long. I've wow. been avoiding typescript for six whole years and, <laughs> and i've i've written about my three encounters with typescript the mm. first encounter it was java people who tell me finally they can do all the gang of four design patterns in javascript mm. and be happy with it and finally we have abstract classes in interfaces and classes and whatnot and they're like okay this is not the way I write JavaScript, so not for me. Second was um, big adoption through through Angular. So, so Angular had a very high standing back in the day, and the moment Angular decided to use TypeScript, the community was very interested in TypeScript. So the TypeScript team also says this is one of the biggest spikes they had in terms of popularity when the Angular team decided to use it. And so I thought, okay, let's let's try out Angular. I said I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but I give it at least a try. And I found it ridiculous because I was I was fetching some some data from somewhere, and the way the TypeScript compiler was configured for Angular was, okay, now you have to tell me the exact type you expect your results to be. And I was just like, how should I know? I haven't yeah, exactly. locked them yet. So, <laughs> right. Um, ditch TypeScript again, because hey, not for me. If I have to know everything up front, that's, that's not for me. And this was for about six years. And just about two years ago, I gave it another try because I heard TypeScript's daddy, Anders Heilsberg, talk so differently about TypeScript than everybody else did. So he said, okay, it's, it's not an up, a new programming language. It's a type system on top of JavaScript. It's mostly tooling. We want to be as informative to all JavaScript frameworks that there are. And if you ask Anders Heilsberg, what's the programming language he writes most code in, he tells you JavaScript. Before he says, ah, I mean TypeScript, but actually I'm writing JavaScript. And if the creator, you know, the, the guy that also invented C-sharp <laughs> and mm. Turbo Pascal and, and Borland Delphi and whatnot, thinks of his latest toy like that, that made me think. And then I tried it out entirely differently. And, you know, I'm, it kind of got stuck. And then you try it more and you kind of start geeking out on that. So this is where you, yep. where you see that all the thing that, that is so beneficial for you. And then you reach a point where you say, okay, now I geek out on the type system. And yeah. I try to, to find ways to model my types that I don't have to anything at all once I'm done with it. And it just it's, makes you better, right? It just makes you more productive of what you're doing. So I can relate this to something that happened between Patrick and I. So Patrick, I don't know if you remember this, but a number of years ago, we were at a conference and you're looking over at me and I was doing some code and something and you're like, oh man, I can't believe you still use Sublime. Like you should totally <laughs> use, you should use this PHP storm stuff. Like it, it gives you all this autocomplete stuff. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Okay. Most of, my di- most of my suggestions, you were quite dismissive and said, no, no, what I'm doing is fine. The wor- way I work is fine. Yep. Yeah. W- which is usually right. Cause your, your suggestions not, are though, usually but- terrible, but anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. But so you're you're like, okay, you should totally try this thing out. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. And when I discovered the autocomplete that IntelliSense can give you in PHP Storm, I was like, whoa, like this is amazing. And right now, if you put me back into just a vanilla sublime editor, I I don't know if I could write anything or at least, you know, I wouldn't be nearly as productive. And I kind of am, am at the point where I feel the same way with TypeScript. Whereas, yeah, I can go back and I can write 
regular JavaScript, but the autocomplete stuff that I get from TypeScript and then also just the, the type checking and the, the constantly analyzing the code. If I it just feels Andrew, like- I'm, I'm still surprised. I mean, you wrote all of the, the original Craft 2 SEOmatic. You wrote all of that in Sublime, which I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> but I, I'm surprised after coming from, you, you know, you came up in the Jurassic era, but after that, you know, with your objective <laughs> state you. and all that, you know, you were in Xcode and all that, you must have had good IntelliSense and IDE stuff there. When you no. moved to PHP, you just thought that was something you had to leave behind? Well, first of all, Xcode for a very, very long time was a pile of garbage. <laughs> was just not, well, people could argue. Yeah, yeah. Was just not a wonderful IDE at all. But yeah, I mean, I guess part of it was that and part of it was just not knowing what you're missing. And I think it's mm. kind of the same with TypeScript in that until you experience it, you don't really know what you're missing. Mm. And that's why I'm trying to be encouraging to get people to, to give this a shot, because really the only thing you need is some layer of tooling that will take the TypeScript and spit it out into something that browsers will understand. And anyone who's doing much of anything these days already has something. They have, they're, they're using Gulp or they're using Grunt or they're using Webpack or mix or roll up or, or they have something that they're using to bundle up their CSS, bundle up their JavaScript. You already have that layer. Adding TypeScript to that layer is not a big deal. Like it's really not. What do you think, Stefan? Yeah. So as I said, uh, constantly throughout this podcast, most people don't even know that they are using it and, and, and they are using it mm. and you just get the benefits. So, so the way it is designed, you can have so many benefits without you needing to do anything at all. And you know, I'm, I'm writing a lot of serverless functions right now where you have to take care a lot of of, of the tooling on your own. And if you just want to try out something like having just a little script that automates something for you. Uh, setting up tooling can be tedious uh, mm-hmm. because you know it's, it's, I just want to write this one little script. Listen, Stefan, um, I'm in the middle of refactoring everything for Webpack 5. You don't have to tell me <laughs> that right. setting up tooling can be tedious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, to, uh, tooling is... Um, ah, I've written a um, second book, uh, which is basically front-end tooling, but for years ago or something. And wow, I'm so sick of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sick of it. That's why I think, as I said earlier, with TypeScript, just giving me one tool and then I have an additional bundle and I get a lot out of it. And at times I don't even bundle at all because I just use ECMAScript imports and have a very low dependency tree that is so refreshing to work like that. So not to take care of so many moving parts just to get things done and things You know what sticks with me, though, and I I found it to be true, is something that we had Sean Larkin on here, who's part of the Webpack core team. Okay, cool. And Sean is a terrific guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's awesome. But one of the things he said to me, or he said on the podcast, really stuck with me, is that it always starts with zero config, right? So the idea is you want to start out (laughs) with zero config, but I can't tell you how many projects that I've been a party to where we're using something like, you know, Next or Noxt or some kind of higher level abstraction. And you will eventually reach the point Mm -hmm. where you have to dig down into the guts because some weird obscure problem is happening and you have to understand the plumbing to get in there and fix it. And that's why I have stuck with building my own webpack configs because mm. I feel like, you know, first I get the benefit of using it. And then I also get the benefit of when something goes wrong, like I'm, I'm not opposed to using some of these higher level systems at all, you know, Gatsby, Nux, Next, whatever, whatever. <laughs> when something does go wrong, I know how to get in there and figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thing is, I guess maybe webpack gets a lot of bad reputation with without ever discussing what they actually brought on the table. So mm. of, co- of course they have a big configuration help, but they also do a lot of things. So, yep. and up until the point where you have to touch a Webpack config, everything is hunky-dory. So this is, uh, we, we have to give them credit for that. So they enable a lot of projects to do really, really cool. It's, you know, it's it's getting hard once you once you need to work on a config. And and as you said, you, you inevitably reach the yep. point where you have to do. So we tried, in, in our company, we try to avoid this point as long as possible, but we never sure. managed to avoid it entirely. There's but then you're going to find that one guy, but then you're going to be like, hey, George, or whoever it is that, that is the guy that knows the stuff, you're going to come begging to, you're going to come crawling <laughs> to him on your hands and knees. And you're going to be like, George, please help us. We need someone that knows the internals of this thing. Can you help us fix it? Okay, so, so yeah, yeah <laughs> your, your guy is also named George because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's Georg with us, but maybe there's just one guy knowing yeah. how to, <laughs> to right. configure the things. And no, he's got the ultimate job security, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for that, I, I don't want him. I don't want to give them too bad of a reputation because they, right. they don't deserve it. They they, they right. do some some great stuff there. And they said, um, the moment I run it right now, I have I have TypeScript transpiling my code, and then Webpack knows how to create a fine bundle with it, or multiple bundles, so how to distribute the bundles. Webpack knows to do that 
for me and I don't have to configure much. It's also sort of like getting upset about GCC or LVM being yes. complicated. You know what I mean? They're doing complicated stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for that, we have to give them, we have to give them credit. I guess what's kind of, for me, for me, a little bit of a red flag. Webpack does is, is is good, but everything that we do with Webpack might might not be the, the right. Throwing everything in it and having lots of plugins and lots of moving parts. Cool that Webpack can do that. So this is the loader concept, and it's terrific because you you can basically have any file transpiled with Webpack uh, for for, mm-hmm. for any platform, and and it works. But you commit yourself to a lot. So this is technical depth from the first line that you write because you have to maintain an entire tool chain. And with maintaining an entire tool chain, you might be able to maintain this tool chain, but you are opening the doors to dependency hell. And I guess this is the problem. And this this relates a lot to what, what NPM offers. You know, same thing, NPM, you can give it a lot of bad reputation for having the most ridiculous amount of packages out there that all do the same thing, just a little bit different. And that you have tiny, tiny, tiny packages for ridiculous tasks instead of a standard library and stuff like that. You can give that all the better reputation, but it also enabled a lot of people again. But the thing combined, you committing yourself to write a tool chain in Webpack with all those little packages that you have that all depend on little packages and you committing yourself to maintaining that, I guess this is the problem. So I have now some, some guy in my company who is totally into Bazel, you know, the, the new Google build tool that has some terrific features and he's writing Bazel files and Bazel plugins and stuff like that. And he does um, tremendous things with that, but he has also reached a point where he's the only person that I know that can maintain <laughs> the whole thing that knows about every little moving piece that works together it's a hell to give it to somebody else to let somebody else work with him on that that stuff and then you also get into the situation that this guy either something horrible happens to this guy or he leaves the company or whatever it ends up being <laughs> and then you have an idiocracy kind of situation where everyone is like wandering around and no one knows how any of the stuff that they're using works and then if it breaks they're just like eh, i don't know it broke like i guess we're not using that anymore because we don't know how to fix it yeah, you know right yeah <laughs> that's why i think it's it's good in the hand of frameworks so if, if frameworks depend on Webpack and they, they totally occluded from me. Hey, do whatever you like. If you use Webpack or anything else, I just don't care as long as my stuff works. And, and, let's, and let's bring it back though. Let's bring it back to TypeScript. So you mentioned something about NPM and all these yes. little modules that are there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's this funky new thing called Deno, which is yes. also by the, yes. the guy mm-hmm. who originally created, by the guy who did Node.js. And yes. Deno is sort of his apology to the world for Node.js and all of the, the things that are in there. And the interesting thing about Deno is it runs TypeScript natively, right? You yes. just write yes. mm-hmm. a .ts file and you don't have to worry about a transpiler, about no Webpack setup, about anything. Yeah, it, it just for works, you. Yep. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's so, what you want. Uh, uh, the things that... That Deno does under the hood are so incredible and so not visible to the the authors. So there's there's always those those features Deno tries to advertise itself with, and then there's the actual way of how they're doing it. And I think they find the actual way of how they're doing it much much more interesting because they got rid of a package manager entirely by saying your dependencies are just URLs that you import with ECMAScript six imports. This is a feature, but what they do is fetching those imports, transpiling them, saving V8 bytecode in a cache and every time you use this dependency and run it and you have this cache warm and ready mm-hmm. you just get straight up v8 bits or bytes into your vm which is terrific so so this is a speed up that that is hardly to do with the way node is is, is done right crazy now. and i might i might also not know what's happening in the node ecosystem at the moment but the, the way it's built and constructed it just tries to push and leverage things like that. so uh, we are trying a lot with deno at the moment first of all because you know type, typescript is built in i don't have to right uh care for a lot of things and i can with a peer dependency i guess i can update the typescript version for the entire deno stack that i'm running on I don't know. Um, Have you tried it? <laughs> and and so 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 this is nice. But then it's in it's it's the little things. It's hey, I want to run a worker thread, and in Node this has had some time until worker threads finally landed in Node, so that you can run some code isolated somewhere in some other place. In Deno, it's a window dot worker dot web worker. Mm, you know right. the, the same thing that you have in the browser. Then you don't have the global object; you have the window object. It feels a lot like writing just regular JavaScript, like you would write for for the browser, except that it knows the context where it's running in. And it does all, all those kind, those nice little tricks uh, for you. And this I find very, very interesting. And one well, of the coolest the, things also, you can transpile JSX, so you have a template language <laughs> included. Right. Well, the, uh, the main reason I brought script. up the main reason I brought up Deno though is that it goes along with your desire to not set up any tooling, and it also demonstrates that TypeScript has really wide support because yeah. here's this Node.js replacement, and TypeScript is a first-class citizen. 
You don't have to do anything. You do nothing and you've got it. You just make a file called .ts and everything just works. You have to know absolutely nothing about it. Yes. And it also will then bundle stuff up for the web if you need it. For some reason, you, you need that to happen. It can do that. Another example of this would be Vite. So this is uh, More from... I love Vite. Yeah. So this is from Based, Evan yeah. Yu, the mm-hmm. author of Vue.js. And it's sort of his take. He kind of, I think, was probably coming at it from a similar perspective. You were where he's just like, you know what? If I never see another web, another web pack config mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm good with it. And so he has this setup where it's leveraging the platform. It's leveraging ES modules and all that kind of stuff. And it supports TypeScript out of the box. You just have a file called .ts and you're writing and you're using it. And I guess the, the reason why I'm kind of mentioning all of these things is the, the new tooling that is coming along. They're all supporting TypeScript as a first class citizen with you having to do nothing with Sean Larkin's zero config. And this, this gives me enormous confidence that TypeScript is something that is going to be, be here for a long time because not only are all the framework authors using it, but a lot of the tooling that is coming out now just supports it as a first-class citizen. Yeah, so it's it's very hard to go away from it again, isn't it? So, <laughs> but I think um, that's great. So anyone who's yeah. looking at it and you know, getting clawing back to our initial discussion about CoffeeScript and where mm. is it now, I think this is real strong evidence that TypeScript is not something that is going to go away anytime soon. And you're going to get the benefits without having to do anything, whether you're using VS Code or you're using Deno or you're using Byte or I don't even, I don't even we're going to have someone to talk about Snowpack. I think it supports TypeScript out of the box yes. too. So Snowpack and Byte are very similar. Yeah. Well, I know they work similar. I just wasn't I wasn't sure if it supported TypeScript, but it makes um, sense that it would. Yeah. In general, the creator of, of Snowpack, uh, Fred Schott, follow that guy. He's doing amazing things on the tooling sector. So yeah, he, we had he, him on we had oh, him on like yeah. last year cool. to talk about talk about Pico Web when it was first coming out. And, that, and I think that was before Snowpack yep, actually so came out. I, we, I think Snowpack is a rebranding of, of Pika uh, or Skypack. I don't know. He, he has lots of names, but he has some great ideas. Well, we're having him on soon. But again, Stefan, I want to thank you for coming on and talking sure. to us about TypeScript. But that sure. about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. If you enjoy the show, please make sure you subscribe and make sure you send a message to Patrick telling him to make this shorter. I did make it shorter. Tell a friend, reading? drop a review. We appreciate it. What? <laughs> that is the new one. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to give you crap anyway. <laughs> for the for the devo.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. And thank you. Thank you, Stefan Baumgartner, for coming on. <laughs> also, Stefan Baumgartner also says thank you for having yeah. me. It was a and you. And you have a book that we want to make sure that people are aware of, and we're going to link to it in the show notes. It's typescriptbook.com, and it's TypeScript in 50 Lessons. I have not read this book, but I am going to buy it, and I am going to read it. You should. It's cool. talk to you for days for days (laughs) because we could meander off into into deno and we'd be all over the place whatever patrick you you never pulled him into your realm we 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 having the same discussion at work i said deno there's everything there's also like babel and babel you know what i mean no it's never been babel he Stefan just said babel i'm just gonna let you know he's been pulled into your world of mispronunciations i say babel You've lost your mind, Patrick. You just you've <laughs> lost your mind. Like, All right. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's it, it, newsflash, Patrick. People in different places pronounce things differently. I know. Yeah, it's you really and your Meta. Yeah. <laughs>